This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Side Broker, and welcome to Adult Side Broker Talk, where every week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we discuss what's going on in our business. Plus, we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be talking to adult industry veteran Dan Hogue. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage. With ASB Cash, you'll have the chance to earn as much as 20% of our broker commission, referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check our website at asbcash.com for more details. First of all, today let's cover some of the news going on in our industry. A Texas Supreme Court justice questioned long-standing interpretations of Section 230 liability protections last week while hearing a case that deliberately tests the exception to the so-called First Amendment of the Internet that was carved out by FOSTA-SESTA for alleged instances of human trafficking. The Texas Supreme Court is hearing the case after a Harris County District Judge and a Houston Appellate Court rejected Facebook's argument that Section 230 explicitly shields online platforms from liability for content posted by third-party uploaders. Lawyers for the three plaintiffs, three women, only identified as Jane Doe's, who alleged they were victims of human trafficking as minors, claimed that Facebook would be liable under the exception to Section 230 immunity created in 2018 by FOSTA-SESTA. The lawyers allege Facebook is liable because it provided the platform that resulted in their being trafficked, legal site Law 360 reported. They accuse Facebook of negligence, gross negligence, and violations of a Texas anti-trafficking law passed in 2009, Law 360 reported. According to the news site, the justices in the Texas Supreme Court questioned during oral arguments yesterday whether Section 230 is applicable if the allegation is that Facebook provided an unrestricted platform for predators to exploit, extort, and recruit children into the sex trade. Texas Supreme Court Justice Deborah Lerman, a Republican, took aim at Section 230 protections when questioning Facebook's immunity because it may have failed to warn users of the dangers of sex trafficking. One of the Jane Doe's allegations Lerman highlighted during her questioning of Facebook's attorney is not about the published statement, but about the failure of the company to warn that this could, load, this could lead to violent sexual behavior. A lawyer for the Jane Doe's, Warren Harris, also cited an October 2020 dissent from Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas in the Malwarebytes v. Enigma Software Group case. Thomas surprised legal observers by using that dissent to openly criticize Section 230 and advocate for his reform, a militant act of judicial advocacy from the highest bench that inserted the justice into an ongoing debate that is the constitutional prerogative of the legislative branch. Democratic U.S. Representative Ro Khanna of California has announced he is planning to reintroduce a bill to study the effects that FOSTA-SESTA legislation has had on sex workers' safety, rights, and issues. 
Khanna told the Capitol Hill's news site The Roll Call that the bill, which he first introduced during the last Congress and was supported by Elizabeth Warren in the Senate, was inspired by what he saw as a lack of representation of sex worker voices in the legislative process. There's no politician who gains political currency for standing up for the voices of sex workers, Khanna said. They're not a voting block. They're not a donor block. Lobbyists don't represent them on Capitol Hill, and they were just totally shut out. They were simply invisible. Roll Call also interviewed sex workers advocate Kate Adamo, a partner with the organization Reframe Health and Justice, who explained that there are so many people advocating for the criminalization of the sex industry, whether it's law enforcement or religious movements, folks who think they can criminalize the sex industry out of existence. They have people on the Hill meeting with offices regularly, and sex workers don't, Diadamo said. Sex worker advocates have pointed out that their voices and experiences are crucial to frame the current bipartisan debates on making further changes to Section 230 protections. FOSTA-SESTA was conceived as a Section 230 exemption and drafted by religiously inspired Midwestern Republicans like Representative Ann Wagner of Missouri, who said it was the most effective way to ensure websites can no longer traffic children with impunity. Kana's bill from last year was called the SESTA-FOSTA Examination of Secondary Effects for Sex Workers Study Act and would have required the Department of Health and Human Services to conduct a study on sex workers' health and safety, particularly how they've been affected by the 2018 passage of FOSTA-SESTA. Last month, Roll Call reported sex worker groups signed a letter from more than 70 organizations to the Biden administration and Congress warning that further changes to Section 230 would do more to already at-risk communities than it would to embattled social media companies such as Facebook and Twitter. The organizations recommended passing Kana's bill to study the effects of FOSTA-SESTA before making any fundamental changes to Section 230 protections. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. Adult Site Broker is proud to list for sale a network of two mainstream dating sites. The websites are currently run on someone else's system. Unfortunately, that company will go out of business at the end of March. Because of this, the owner decided to sell the website at a very reasonable price. If the company is not sold by the end of March, the sites will migrate to a new platform and the price will go up to a more reasonable valuation. The sites get their traffic from the UK, Australia, Belgium, the Netherlands, and New Zealand. Both are mainstream flirt chat websites with credit monetization on a pay-per-message basis. They have a loyal customer base of 27,000-plus real members, with many customers still active from 2017. Some have spent more than 10,000 euros. The average customer spends 450 euros. The sites have very steady recurring revenue. With very low overhead and a proven ROI of 900% on every euro spent on affiliate marketing, these sites have room to grow from where they are now. The weekly upkeep of the sites requires very little time, and most of the work consists of promoting the sites to bring in new customers and tease the existing 27,000-plus strong member database. Many great markets are yet untapped for these sites, but could easily be added, such as Germany, 
France, and the USA. Thanks to the non-adult nature, you can easily promote them via Google and email. You can buy these two great sites now for only 484,000 euros. The price is going to go up to 632,000 euros after March 31st. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Dan Hogue, Director of Operations at Pornstar Platinum and Transerotica. Hey, Dan, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Happy to be here, Bruce. Thanks. And happy to have you. Now, Dan started in 1998 in the amateur market with his then-wife and had the first swinging couple site on the internet. Dan morphed this into starting a cam network with other amateurs, and then he rolled that into one of the top cam companies, one of the early cam companies, CamZ, which specialized in cam shows for amateurs and porn stars to broadcast shows on their members' areas. Uh, Dan spent 15 years in the cam business and won Best Live Cam Site from XBiz, as well as an Industry Pioneer Award for Innovations in Live Cams. Dan is now Director of Operations, as I said, at Pornstar Platinum and Transerotica. He's heavily involved in the channel's management for porn stars. After 23 years in business, Dan is still actively involved in the industry, and he's loving every minute of it. Now, uh, now, Dan, why don't you tell us how you got started in the industry and maybe a little bit more about your background in adult? Love to. Um, it's kind of a funny story, actually. We were, uh, my wife and I were, my then wife and I were in the uh, lifestyle. We were swingers. And um, we, were, uh, we were out on adult friend finder trying to hook up with people. And um, mm-hmm. we, happened to, we happened to meet this girl, Abby, and her husband and they suggest we meet uh at a local swingers club and when we we were then living in kansas city at the time on the kansas side swingers and, in kansas city god that's a hard oh, one that's that's a hard yeah. one to figure <laughs> there, there are so many swingers and uh, uh alternative lifestyle clubs out there my son still lives out there actually okay. he's he uh he um, is a uh, security for a couple of fetish clubs out there, and oh, he's wow. also a dom now, but he's like 39 <laughs> now. So he's like, Oh, he's geez. I remember him when he was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, well, I had him when I was 16. So as a single parent at 18 years oh, old, custody, 100% custody. So wow. I started young. Um, but so, anyways, back then, um, we, you know, we really didn't. We didn't know about swinger clubs. We, you know, we knew of them, but we were kind of intimidated going. You know, mm-hmm. and had they had that predisposition of, oh, you know, we don't want to mix with, you know, those people. You know, we had, mm. we didn't know anything about it. We just made assumptions that were totally without merit. Anyways, so this girl and her husband suggested we meet at one of the clubs, and so we said, okay, why not? And we went, and we ended up having a fucking great time. It was phenomenal, and. um we, we ended up back in their room and she made the statement, uh, would you like to shoot pictures for my website? Hmm. And, and I was like, sure. And looked at my <laughs> wife and she said, sure, why not be fun? And it, it, and a light bulb went off in my head that this was a great icebreaker. Hmm. Like, you know, when you first meet somebody, you know, there's maybe some awkwardness at times, you know, you're not sure and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, especially for us as, you know, we weren't used to this type of uh, meeting people in mm-hmm. lifestyle. 
we would we were more like uh, I used to term term as sociopathic swingers. We would hit on our <laughs> friends who were not necessarily in the lifestyle and try to Funny. try to get them to to party with us. But um, in this situation, though, that light bulb went off in my head, and I'm like, wait a minute, what? You know, afterwards, you know, we had our fun and we took some pictures and. You know, and she showed us her website and stuff like this. And I'm like, you got to tell me more about this. I want to know more. And so she ended up introducing us to her webmaster. Mm -hmm. And um, I was immediately like, we're going to do this. Mm. My wife was like, yes, let's do it. Mm. And uh, so we immediately started talking to some of our, we, we started going to this club all the time. We ended up building up a great group of people we had like 10 couples 15 couples in kansas city uh including uh i don't know if you remember ann and bruce from uh four real swingers um and they and you know a bunch of other couples we would just end up hanging out all the time and we started shooting pictures uh with uh our friends and it Mm -hmm. it was it was so much fun that we just ended up they uh Ann and Bruce uh aka Bush and Karen they uh they actually wanted their face swirled out um because they didn't <laughs> want their face on the internet and yeah. then they saw the first check of of our website after the first week we did like I don't know it was like 2500 bucks our first week we opened <laughs> and, and so um I, I was like, they were like, wait, wait, what is, what is this? How are you doing this? And next hmm. thing you know, they're opening up their websites and we teamed up for a little while and we started building websites for all these couples on the, mm-hmm. um, that we hung out with. And we, right. would, we had, we had trips and we would take up, we would take over a hotel down in you know Bennett Springs and we would go on float <laughs> trips. It was just a blast. Mm. And we had so much fun and we kind of, started reaching out to other amateurs and I bought a domain called barmeet.com and we started having bar meets across the country huh. started meeting people like Oasis and Jen and Dave and uh-huh. you know other people in different parts of the country we set up um, little get-togethers and stuff like that and yeah. you know we had we had them in Kansas City with Carol Cox coming into town huh. we had ended up having an orgy on a, on the radio station and it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun back in those days Sure, but that's uh, that's pretty much how we got started, hmm. and then it was it was the it, the beginning of the end, so to speak, was when because we were in a very conservative area, mm-hmm. right? Kansas is not necessarily known for, <laughs> even though there's a huge LGBT community and swinger community, it's very conservative, yeah, uh, as you can imagine, especially back in the you know 2000 turn of the century, yeah. Um, we ended up going on the radio station with Carol Cox and two other couples. Um, and we ended up having an orgy and went out and parts of it went out live. Over oh, the air. So we ended up getting outed. Uh, so, uh, uh, our, you know, so it, I'm surprised it didn't end up getting busted. <laughs> right? yeah. We ended up, some of our pictures were like forced. They, they told us, say, hey, look, you got to blur out the, the radio station name and all that stuff. And, but, Anyways, we, we ended up getting out of it. And you got to remember, my wife was like, we had children. And, sure. you know, my son, he, he might have been a little older. He was in high school at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. But my two daughters were not. They were, mm-hmm. you know, nine and six. Jeez. So uh, they were, my my wife was very active, you know, in 
in brownies and Girl Scouts, <laughs> uh, dance mom. She That's... was the vice president of the PTO where my Catholic of the Catholic school where my uh, kids went to school. <laughs> I'm sure that didn't go so, over very good there. <laughs> yeah, so we got a call from Monsignor. You know, she he booted her off the the the. Uh, the uh, PTO oh, sure. and basically um, half the parents that were uh, like not telling their kids why they could not hang around with our kids anymore, but they couldn't come over anymore. And we would have, we would Aww. literally, we, we did a very good job of separating our lifestyle and our, sure. our business from, from the family. Obviously we're parents, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're diligent in, sure. in not exposing them to things that they shouldn't be exposed to at a young age. Mm-hmm. But um, we were faced then with the dilemma of of having to deal with that. Hmm. And so that's when we decided to move to Florida <laughs> uh, to move because they, the kids were at an age where they could they they could tell them that, oh, you can't hang around with those kids. Um, but they wouldn't say why. Right. In a couple of years, right. they're going to be able to say why they can't hang around with them. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny because half the people that we knew were either like shunning us and the other half were like waving enthusiastically. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I want to hang out with you guys. That's funny. But, uh, so that's, that's pretty much how I got started in adult. Uh, and, and really what turned it around into, uh, more of a service, uh, going into the service side because of how it affected my family. I knew that we could not keep Beth and or netcouples.com going um and i don't know if there was any thought at the time i don't really remember if there was a thought at the time of longevity of it you Mm -hmm. know we were older than most of the counterparts um you know uh we were already in our 30s god forbid yeah so we decided to start hosting amateur sites building Mm -hmm. um and you know, just kind of consulting with them and helping them grow their businesses. So we started mm-hmm. amateur hosting to host their sites for free. Mm-hmm. We started a cam show that would compete with, um, you know, Danny's Hard Drive or yeah, um, Danny's Hard Drive and you know Carol Cox. At the same time, we kind of split our ways with uh, Ann and Bruce, um, and then uh, and they started a network. So we started uh, uh, a. a cam network for amateurs but we took a little bit of a different approach to it where they were working basically the problem that we had with the amateur cam networks back then was that the people who ran it were really out for themselves Mm -hmm. and they were looking to siphon as much traffic as they could to their own stuff of course and we always we always kind of resented that because you know we're we're supplying them the content we should all share in the in the fruits of it equally Mm -hmm. and so the theory behind amateur cams at the time it was just amateur cams e um was that we were going to build a network of shows that we all share each other's one hour shows and we're equal all of it all of Mm -hmm. it's equal in that and we're going to have a rev share with the people for the money that it does make and we Mm -hmm. were going to box it and give it to places like Max Cash, Silver Cash, all those old school programs mm-hmm. that would buy content for their members area. Right. And we even did with Leo from now my free cams, but back then he was my free pay site. Right. And um, you know, he would put it in his members area as well, and we would share links. And 
the, we had free versions, we had paid versions, but we paid the girls $50, at least $50. Back then, that was pretty substantial. Mm -hmm. um, it was something other than nothing. Plus, we hosted their sites for free on their websites. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, we paid them per show. And then we would make sure that they would get traffic for their for their websites as well. Nice. So uh, it was kind of a unique approach that really kind of took off. And we ended up having, you know, 20 to 24 hours a day of live shows, sometimes two an hour. Yep. And it really was, it was, it owned the amateur market and it was kind of fun back then. I remember. And then, uh, I, and then when we got lucky with a little program called Flash uh, prior to <laughs> it coming out, we were out courting the, de the the developers at Adobe and um, at the mainstream shows and everything. And we got uh, an early copy of it so we could dev it out. And we, you know, we were sending them some amateurs who were horny just to, just to get on these guys' good side. We party <laughs> with them and, and uh, it, they took really good care of us. Oh, I bet they uh, did. <laughs> yeah. So right when it came out, we were already ready. So we were the first sure. cam site when we switched over to private cams and we started offering the first version of cam Z was called private cam Z. When mm -hmm. we, when we first flip, hit the switch, we already had the traffic from our plugins and our free version with all the shows. It was instant money for the girls on the network. Mm -hmm. So they started doing private shows using flash, no more windows media mm -hmm. encoder back then. It was so cumbersome and big mm -hmm. and uh, it was really hard to, uh, you know, hard for them to grasp where flash was so easy back then. Sure. You know, it was, it was like night and day to be able to use. We could, we could save the archives really easy. And, um, we could service a lot more people with a lot less servers. And it was, it was just a breath of fresh air and it was so nice to code and, and mm -hmm. friendly to use on the websites. So we kind of blew up, uh, with that. We did, we had hundred percent, 200 percent growth every year for, uh, I don't know, five, six years in a row, probably. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. And then we, especially when we hit Cam Z, um, in about, it was right after 2000. We, we launched in 2000. So it was like 2002, I think. 2003, we launched private cams. Mm -hmm. And then um, I think 2004, 2005. Yeah, 2004, I think we went right into Cam Z. Mm -hmm. And that was, that's the... That was a nice run. That was big. That was big. You must have yeah. uh, you must have shed a tear or two uh, recently when Flash was killed. <laughs> Not yeah yeah. It was funny because we were the first one to get it and the last yeah. one to leave it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> funny. Which was probably my downfall when it comes to cams. Yeah yeah absolutely. Now but, uh, yeah. Now, Technology what, changes. Oh, I'm telling you. Now, what do you feel is the greatest opportunity now for new people coming into the adult industry? Uh, certainly has to be the the, the fan platforms. Uh, models today have a, a wonderful opportunity. Mm -hmm. They have so much power now, more power than even back in the amateur days. You know, sure. um, amateurs made a lot of money back in the day. You know, it was like. They didn't rely on companies. They relied on other friends. You know, we had friends exchanges and stuff like that. We relied on each other. And it's very similar to today's market where hmm. anybody who has the ability to gain a following in social media can make money on, 
on the fan platforms. Yep. And so I think that for for new people is do whatever it takes to be consistent on those platforms. Um, you know, like that that opportunity it it doesn't come along very often. And the you know to see what's going on with fan platforms um, is a is a phenomenal thing. And uh, you know I see it every day and work with it every day. And the amount of money and the amount of uh, opportunity for fans to really get to know and get inside the heads of the performers that they follow and the amount of interactions that are available to fans and models is, is unlike anything outside of having that 24 seven warrior cams that we used to have. Yeah. Um, and, and them actually being able to communicate um, is wonderful, is a wonderful thing and a great opportunity for models um, these days yeah. to monetize their content. Sure. Sure. Now what's your passion when it comes to our industry? Right now I, I'm actually getting back into shooting, which is very passionate for me right now, but um, cool. Uh, uh, just now just thinking about it and getting back in, I'm going to be doing some POV stuff for myself, but my, yeah. my passion has always been cam and it will always be, you know, it's been really hard the last seven years being outside of the cam game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been a couple of companies that have uh, contracted for some, um, you know, they brought me in for some consulting gigs on things. And I I've been blessed to be able to do that and mm-hmm. I've enjoyed it, but it's, it is still my passion. I still try to keep up with what's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, right now we're working on a, a, a project in house that's, that does involve a lot of white label stuff, which is hmm. for me, the stepping stone is always, uh, you know, a lot of affiliates told me you know, like, how, how do I get into the cam business that everybody wants to be a cam own a cam company. Right. Sure. And, and I always, my, my, my always, my first response was always try being an affiliate first. Hmm. If you can do a white label and you can get enough traffic and enough infrastructure to funnel traffic to your white label to make money on that white label, well, then you, you start building your traffic network. That's a great first. idea. Yeah. And so my passion right now is we are doing that now with um, not only Pornstar Platinum and Transerotica, Pornstar Platinum has always had a white label and it's done fairly well, um, especially since I got on board with them. Uh, it was one of the mm-hmm. first things I did yeah. was examine what they were doing with live cam. Hmm. And, um, you know, we 10 X their revenue from it. And the, uh, but we are now building white labels for three of the companies that I run uh, with them. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to build the infrastructure around the funnels, the, um, you know, taking a look at what Jerkmate's doing, uh, the phenomenal job that they have done, not only on their front end, but their back end infrastructure, uh, stuff like that is, mm-hmm. is really something that has my blood flow going hmm. because they've done a tremendous thing. Uh, the amount of backlinks and blogs and things like that, that they have, that have built an infrastructure that is so solid. Um, that kind of stuff really gets me going. And so to be able to take a look at it, uh, take a look at different models out there for 
developing traffic to white labels, developing a white label that makes sense with the right partner um, that we have. And that right now is something that I, I really enjoy working on along with the, you know, seven or eight other projects that we have going on. But that one stands out to me as, as the one I'm probably the most passionate about. Hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, pro I probably get more requests from people to, to buy cam sites than just about anything else. And they're just not out there. It's just, it's amazing. Um, now what is it that you're working on right now? Well, outside of the, what I just mentioned, right. um, we're working on upgrading the tech for the membership sites themselves. Mm -hmm. Pornstar Platinum and Transerotica, uh, for those who don't know, is a um, it's a membership site for official websites for stars. Say on the Pornstar Platinum side, you're talking about like a Laura Jensen, mm -hmm. a D Williams, you know, and a bunch of others. Mm -hmm. um, and so we do not only their official websites, but we also have a network site for Pornstar Platinum. Mm -hmm. And and so everything is done on trade. So the girls are getting content that they can feed to their channels, to their their uh, fan platforms, um, use it in various ways that they need to monetize that content. They get professionally shot content for free. And they also get another demographic in the sense that they get a website of their own, their official website to display that, you know, to make additional revenue from, albeit a lot less than what they're making on those, uh, some of the, some of those other platforms, but mm -hmm. it's still another source of income. Sure. But the, the, the key component to that would be they get content, they get a steady flow of content that doesn't professionally shot, professionally edited, that doesn't cost them anything. And that's mm -hmm. probably the biggest benefit um, mm -hmm. to them. So um, one of the things that we have done uh, to get back to your original question was we're trying to upgrade the model of the of the membership site. We need to integrate more technology and more um, updated forms of making it relevant to the fans, uh, bringing that fan component to it, the integration and hybrid, so to speak, of a fan platform within the uh, membership sites. Mm -hmm. So we're we're working on technology right now to to incorporate that into the websites, so that the girls make more money. They have a little bit more control. They can update update their wall themselves. They can answer questions and DMs, and they can send out. Uh, special customs, they can do whatever the things that they do would normally do on their fan stuff, they can do that. Nice. Um, we are going to be doing that, especially with Transerotica and uh, Pornstar Platinum. We have, we're developing, it's called TransFans with an S. Um, <laughs> I'm getting away, no more Zs for me. Uh, <laughs> and then, it, but that's basically what it's going to be. It's it's basically a hybrid that we're going to integrate into the websites themselves. So it's hmm. a good it's gonna it's gonna help the model be a little bit more uh, substantial as far as revenue possibilities, as well as um, make it more relevant to today's market um, and mm -hmm. keep up with the times, so to speak. Mm -hmm. What kind of, that's one of go ahead? Sorry. Yeah, um, that's just one of the things we're working on. Obviously, um, mm -hmm. yeah, we try to stay ahead of um, ahead of the curve, and uh, even though. We 
we're in such a dinosauric um, market, we still make money, right? Um, yeah. Membership sites, they don't make the money that they used to, and they may never make the money that they did once did, um, but they still do make money. We still grow year after year. And so updating those is is still profitable for us. Well, speaking of money, what kind of money uh, can um, the um, stars make on membership sites like Transerotica and Pornstar Platinum? Well, obviously, it varies from star to star. You know, um, some have the following, some have the stardom and recognition. Just mm-hmm. like fans are fans are fan bases are fan bases, uh, and right. it also depends on you get what you put into it as well as as a a porn star who wants to um help with the marketing and help with uh being a part of it whether it's through live shows for those members or you know even helping us promote it or linking to it um shooting consistently i think the biggest biggest hurdle for us as a company is getting that the models to be consistent in updates and because affiliates are very fickle they don't necessarily trust the individual um, personality-based websites, right? Because mm-hmm. so many times they get abandoned. Yeah. Whereas companies like Pornstar Platinum will always have updates. But right. individual stars within Pornstar Platinums may not be. So <clears throat> it's very difficult, and it takes some some reaching out and showing that, hey, I am involved with this. You know, I am involved with my my membership site. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, it's been a breath of fresh air. We we just we we signed um, a girl by the name of Anna Claire Cloud. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's an OC mm-hmm. modeling girl. She's super phenomenal. She's okay. fucking phenomenal chick. Mm-hmm. I, I really like her. She's a go getter. Mm-hmm. She's very motivated, um, very together, very business savvy, mm-hmm. and uh, just wants to be a part of it. Wants is helping us help her, mm-hmm. and that and that's where it can make they can make a substantial income Oh yeah, when they're helping us help them. And it really makes all the difference for us. It's very difficult. We have to reach out and always have to try to pull teeth just to get an update. It's very difficult for us to be motivated to help them. And it's also something that affiliates notice because we give them usernames and passwords to get in there sometimes and, and pull some promo that they need for their websites and how they link to it, to their blogs or whatever, However, they're doing it. it. Review sites. Review sites are notorious for that, right? right. They want to. They want to get in there and see it. If they see that they're not updating, well, guess what? They're going to put out there. They're going to ping them because they're not putting out regular updates. Of course. Or they're not doing live one-hour shows um, for their members. Um, so uh, that's probably the biggest hurdle we have with that. Okay. But they, uh, those who do, can make still make you know. Anywhere from two to six thousand uh, a month down to a couple hundred a month. It really, you know, like those who hustle can do fairly well with them um, as a secondary source of of revenue for them. Their their primary source of revenue, let's face it, is going to be their their fan platforms, right? Sure, sure. Most models, that's their primary source of revenue. But it's always good to have some other revenue coming in. You never know when you're going to get kicked off or, you know, slow paid or 
you know, some of them are get kind of temperamental. You never know if they're going to lose their merchant account. <laughs> Imagine that performers yeah. temperamental. <laughs> <laughs> we all are at some point. Ah, uh, um, indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm fortunate uh, that I've I've worked with some really good people, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's I've been blessed. I really have. Absolutely. Um, now, now tell me about trade content. Uh, why is it so important to your platforms as well as to performers in general? Huge now. You know, back when we started this, it was kind of shunned upon. Like, why would you want to do that? You know, everybody was like, why would I want to give up? You know, like, I'm not getting paid for this shoots. You know, why do I want to do trade content and build a website? And now it's like uh, they wish they had done it 10 years ago right we started we started this eight eight years ago nine years ago now i think porn star platinum was nine ten years ago and um you know it was built on the premise of doing trade um for the most part i mean we did buy some scenes and we still do but for the most part all of our content is trade and Mm -hmm. it's even more so relevant now with the fan platforms because the girls need between their many vids and only fans, you know, clips for sale, you know, the, all of the different, you know, loyal fans to all of the different platforms that they have. I want clips and just for fans and everybody, AVN stars, you name it. Mm-hmm. There are so many options for performers to monetize that it almost, almost becomes overwhelming for them. Yeah. Um, which we'll get into later when we start talking about NBC and stuff. But mm-hmm. if we, if we end up going there, mm-hmm. but you know, for trade content, we were so far ahead of the game because we started this so long ago when it was really shunned upon. Now it's a necessity. Mm-hmm. Girls have to do some trade content. They don't necessarily have to do it with porn star platinum or trans erotica because it ends up, you know, they look at, Oh, it's a third person, but realistically the only place that we're monetizing that content is within our websites, mm-hmm. possibly a, a porn porn hub. If it makes a porn hub um, with the girls on the network, we're also putting it out on DVDs and we have an NMG. We work with NMG and, hmm. and, and, and those guys to do our distribution. Sure. And so, but we share our revenue with that, with the girls on the network uh, for that DVD and um, distribution revenue. Right. So everything that we do, we share with them. They get 70% of what their site makes and they get their content for free professionally nice. shot. Very nice. Yeah. And so, uh, for for it's a win win, and they're let's face it, the girls are going to make much more money off that content than we ever will. Yeah. Um, but it works for us, and it works for them. They get what they they get what they need. They, we get a update for their for their website and for porn star platinum and or trans erotica, mm-hmm. and um, and it helps them feed the many um, channels and ancillary revenues that they have, uh, revenue streams that they have. So. Sure. That's why it's very, very important today. And, and I would say that trade has almost become the norm as opposed to like there's so many big stars that are are saying, OK, I'm only going to do I'm going to price myself out of so many scenes that, you know, they're not begging companies now for shoots because they don't have to. Yeah. Um, you know, like some of the big stars are saying, I'm just going to do a cup. I'm going to put my rate at like, you know, thirty five hundred dollars a scene. And um, hmm. they 
they just there's only so many companies that can afford that and they do that basically just enough do one or two a month or whatever it is just to keep themselves relevant mm-hmm. um, and out there uh, from those companies and they, they basically shooting they're shooting six days a week trade content with mm-hmm. their friends and uh, hiring photographers and or significant others doing the shooting mm-hmm. um, investing in equipment that uh, where they can shoot quality content themselves or trading with companies like ours and other trade companies uh, to where they can get uh, professionally shot content for their other platforms and because that's where their money's at hmm. nice it's it's no longer waiting for that next paycheck from some company who hires them to you know get a one-time pop on a scene yeah. you know why get one thousand or twelve hundred dollars for a scene when you could literally make four thousand dollars from that scene on your own Sounds good to me. Now, I think you just kind of referred to it, but you've got a new company called New Verticals. Tell me about it. Tell me what it does. Well, we started that with my wife, my then my then wife, uh, Alex <laughs> Lavelle. She was our social media person for Transrotica at first, mm-hmm. and she came up with a very unique way of doing doing our Snapchats. Um, mm-hmm. We started. We wanted to do a Snapchat takeover. Uh, she came up with this great idea to do takeovers and we do um, invite stars to come over and do one day of our public Snapchat and then one day of our private Snapchat and they get all every penny that it made during those five days of promo. We would do three days prior to that uh, promos. They would do promos that they're going to be on here and anything it made in those five days they got to keep. Um, and they were guaranteed a minimum as well. Nice. And then she came up with this great idea of of taking scenes every day and cutting them up and putting them on when there was no live person that we could have as a takeover. And so we were doing a couple, two or three takeovers a month and then augmenting the days in between with putting up a scene cut up in 10 second clips um every day and we would update that she would update the uh snapchat and it did very well for us and Mm. then she just started doing our social media um and uh ended up expanding it into uh porn star platinum for a while as well and from there she started looking at um channels management Mm -hmm. and uh helping stars because one of the if you think about it and we got into this and we named, I could sit here and name 15 different places for porn stars to go or content creators to go and monetize their, their content. Yeah. But to, oh, yeah. to be consistent on all of them is literally impossible for one person to do. Sure. If that person had a husband or wife or a significant other um, that worked with them, they they may be able to do it consistently consistently but mm-hmm. they wouldn't have a life so hmm. what what she did was she she we we kind of put together a team that um de- and developed techniques and things like that to assist them in being consistent whether nice. it's taking over posting uh titles and description organizing their content as it comes in putting them out on the channels for them um you know um, making sure that their wall posts were what they wanted, you know, helping them with their social media strategy, things like that. Uh, so hmm. she has an all income. We, we 
we put together an all-encompassing team um, that pretty much can do whatever the whatever the models need to maximize their channels revenue and be consistent even when they are too busy to be consistent. Sure. That's awesome. So it kind of helps them. And obviously there's a percentage and or fees for certain things, you know, like, um, and we don't like do like personal stuff for them. Like we just do their promo tweets and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe some Instagram, we will, we'll take care of their Instagram posts and things like that. Maybe some, uh, different things just to be consistent and give them a strategy we have an SEO department that um, uh, also will help with developing an SEO strategy mm-hmm. uh, if they do have a personal website or um, different things that we have learned that are successful within platforms mm-hmm. on techniques to do to maximize the revenue for each platform. Because each platform is not only individually challenging mm-hmm. and has its own set of rules, right. but they're changing all the time too. Oh, you know, yeah. you look at, Let's just take ManyVids, for instance. ManyVids, uh, before, your ranking was basically um, on sales, right? It was it was all based around sales, mm-hmm. where now it's very much not. It's um, very much around the algorithm that they have for their social part of it. Hmm. MB Social is very, very important to your ranking. And it goes like on a 45-day cycle, and you need to be on top of it every day. Um, and do things every day within your profile, whether it's making a post, retweeting your friend's post, or, you know, or because basically it's like a tweet, a Twitter board, right? And so mm-hmm. you have to, you, know, you have to get little hearts, you have to do those things, and including uploading videos and or MB Crush, or doing those little things every day that earn you additional points towards your rankings to get your store more exposure. If you don't do those things, your store is getting very little exposure. Yeah. So, like every platform changes their their algorithms, including Instagrams and Twitters and everything else. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So, new verticals was basically to assist those um, assist those uh, performers in uh, helping them, you know, get the consistency and maximizing their revenue. Okay. Now you've, you've obviously had quite a background. You've had a lot of notoriety and awards in the past uh, for your innovations in live cams. Where do you see that segment of the adult world going in the next several years? Uh, Growing leaps and bounds. I think that's Mm -hmm. one consistent, you know, if you look back over the last 20 years, that's, that is the one consistent growth industry um, that we have had within the adult community. Um, it's true. Live cam is always going to be there because people, especially in this day and age right now with COVID and being stuck at home, that having that interaction and that personal one-on-one interaction, um, is very important. Um, and it will always be there in my opinion. I think that's where the money is. Uh, I think that's, it's certainly where the growth is. It's Mm -hmm. very, very difficult to be a newcomer in that arena without really deep pockets. Yeah. Um, yeah, That's that's what I tell people when they ask me. Yeah. Yeah. You, you you know, somebody, somebody, somebody said, uh, somebody asked me, says, Dan, you know, I I got this guy, he's, he's filthy rich 
and he wants to do a cam. He wants to get involved in porn. And he wants to do a live campsite. I'm like, how rich is he, and how much is he willing to lose? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> even back in my day, mm-hmm. I lost fifteen thousand a month for, and you know, fifteen thousand a month for three years straight. Yep. You know, um, so and that's nothing, and that's nothing now. That's nothing. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that and we were. Yeah, but you remember we were the, the you'd be smallest, lucky. You'd be lucky to do the, that. You'd, you'd be lucky to camp- yeah. You'd be lucky to lose that in a week now. Yeah, uh, no, you need you need ten ten to twenty million dollars to start a campsite, even mm-hmm. realistically. I mean, wow. Chatterbait, from what I understand, um, Chatterbait was started with like nine. Um, you know, so it can be done, uh, but yeah, it's you need a solid plan and a lot of money mm-hmm. um to break through uh there are some people who are growing organically like we you know we were a shoestring operation our yep. we were the smallest cam company the smallest revenue cam company to ever win best in live cam mm-hmm. our annual revenue at cam z was six five to six million dollars mm-hmm. okay uh that's like, like a day revenue of of a stream mate or right. uh, you know I'm live or mm-hmm. Jasmine and, and, free, and those guys. Yeah, my you know? free cams, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's ridiculous. Uh but you know, we we had a lot of fun and you know, um and we just we did not buy traffic. And mm-hmm. you need to be able to buy traffic. A lot. We, yeah, so what we what we had to do was innovate. We integrated mm-hmm. with uh, others, other cam sites. We actually mm-hmm. integrated their performers into our site to make it look bigger than it was, mm-hmm. and we didn't have to necessarily keep those performers happy. And then we would add a dollar twenty per minute, so we would lower our cost of goods to like twenty five percent. So um, increased our profit margin too by doing that. So we had to innovate to stay on top of it to really um, stay competitive. Mm-hmm. But it was, you know, um, it was, uh, it was they definitely not the the revenue beasts that we have today. No, I think the battle is between free cams uh, versus premium cams. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my, I, I, you can probably guess my preference is always going to be on the premium cams over mm-hmm. the free cam. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, um, I know that, you know, like in the free cam market, the top. 80 well, 80% of the revenue goes to the top 10% of the girls mm-hmm. um and then in the premium side you have at least a chance to build a following that you pop in and you know when you have that following finally built up and you mm-hmm. put the time into it um you know you can make your money and and go on privates so you're not sitting there uh-huh. begging stripper mentality kind of uh, approach but, to but Dan that's for the models what about for a company where would what would the better what would the better model be for would be free or premium starting out yeah let's premium, say because yeah. traffic that you need mm-hmm. the tra- the amount of numbers that you need in traffic to create a free like chatterbait my free cams type model it's massive it's tremendous mm-hmm. and it's um, and it's expensive and traffic is very expensive mm-hmm Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, if you think back and you look back at the the two people who were very successful, and and you take my free cams for example, mm-hmm. Leo was always a traffic guy. Oh, he yeah. always had that my free cams. He had the triple X passwords. He mm-hmm. always had traffic. Mm-hmm. The guy was a phenomenal traffic guy. Oh yeah. And right. so 
it, for him, it was just flipping a switch. Right. Right. And so, um, well, he had, a lot of well, traffic. he had my free pay site. So he, so he funneled a lot of the traffic in there. Yep. And he was building and working on my free cams during that time. So right. yeah, I remember right. those days very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ironically, I laughed and I'm like, this, this site is, it sucks. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it sucked in such a great, it's still, it, it still, it, su- it still sucks and he makes a fortune. <laughs> you know, it's such a brilliant idea. Yep. It was so, he was so far ahead of his time. It, yep. you know, like yep. he, he always was, he's a brilliant guy. I love him. He really, he really, really is. And I agree, I agree with you since I've gotten to know him the last, I don't know, three, four years, uh, you can really see the guy's genius. He's also bought things from me. So I'm a little prejudiced, but anyway, um, <laughs> so if you can offer any advice to models and performers out there, what would it be? Don't become prima donnas. No, um, <laughs> Um, no, I didn't say personal advice. No, I didn't say personal advice. I, I said performers overall. Yeah. Stay true to yourself um, and be consistent. Uh, if you, you, you there's think of everything. Think of a pot of gold in the middle of a table, and you want to surround it with as much ability to get as much of that gold as possible. And to do that, you mm-hmm. need different demographics need to appeal to different demographics. Don't shut out and put all of your eggs in one basket because you're only getting a certain segment of that table, that gold that's on that table that you need to broaden your thinking into expanding to meet the different demographics that are out there that Mm -hmm. do pay you. Like they're not always going to be huge. Um, They're not always going to be huge moves. But in the end, you're never going to be relying on one thing because one thing, as, as I know more, more than anyone, if you rely on one thing for your, all of your income sources, that one thing can go away. Yeah. And so yeah. to be diverse and look at, at, at all the different ways that you can monetize your content, expand your brand while you can um, is very important. I mean, we look at, we look at the volatility of our net and the attacks on our industry oh, yeah. that continues even today. Mm-hmm. We wonder if we're going to wake up tomorrow and be shut out of Twitter. And yeah. if that happens, you, th- you think about the platforms that are out there that are left for non-surf, non-safe for work content. Mm-hmm. There's only going to be one. If Twitter goes away, all we have is Reddit. Mm. Okay. That would be the last bastion for us as adult stars and adult performers to um, get out there, our non-safe for work content to market. Uh, now, granted, it's a good market uh, in Reddit, but sure. it's, it takes a long time to build up. Yeah. You thought Twitter was hard to build up. Try huh. to in a Reddit. Yeah. Um, but it is very successful once you do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, don't, don't put all those eggs in one basket. Be be consistent with all of the different platforms if you can. If you can't, look for teams that uh, can help you um, because they, you know, although there's a cost of percentage cost that comes with that, they mm-hmm. can make your, um, they can make you more consistent and more diverse. Sure. And um, and help you as opposed to, um, you know, looking at it as a zero sum game kind of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be my that would be my my advice. Would be diverse. 
Absolutely. Well, hey, Dan, I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Hope we'll get a chance to do this again really soon. You bet. Thanks for having me. My broker tip today is part four of how to buy a website. Last week, we discussed making an offer and deciding the best price for the site you're buying. Once you've made your offer, the work begins. If you're working with a broker, like say, hmm, I don't know, maybe adult site broker, we handle the negotiation for you. Let's say the seller doesn't accept your offer. They may make a counteroffer. If you decide that you're willing to pay more, you can either accept their counteroffer or counter back to them. A good rule of thumb is to always leave room to negotiate. So don't make an offer that's the absolute most you're willing to pay. If you do that, then you have nowhere to go if the owner counters your offer. Once the owner and you have come to a deal, then it's time to do some due diligence beyond what it is you've already done. During the initial process of looking at the site, you should have asked some basic questions, like in the case of a pay site, how many joins and rebills there are per day, and any other pertinent questions. During due diligence, you need to make sure everything is where you need it to be technically to integrate it with what you're already doing. You may even decide to get your developer involved if you're not tech savvy. You and or your developer should ask those pertinent questions. Once those are answered to your satisfaction, you should either have the seller or yourself draw up a sales agreement. I always tell my clients to do the agreement themselves. Why? Because that way you can dictate the terms. So whether you're the buyer or the seller, you can make the rules. However, just be ready to have the seller's attorney change some of those rules. Nothing is final until everything is signed off on. Another thing we do for our clients is to do a letter of intent prior to the sales agreement being done. This gives your attorney a roadmap for the agreement. The letter of intent, and more so the agreement, will have all of the terms involved, including who pays for everything. Who pays for escrow, for instance? This can be paid by the buyer, the seller, or split between both parties. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week we'll be talking to another veteran of our industry, Robert Warren. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Dan Hogue. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.